listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16, the Halloween edition. Uh, Bosch, being a guy from the Yukon Territories growing up, I imagine you probably had to have a costume that fit over top of winter wear. Yeah, you had to stay warm, obviously, somehow with uh, winter being in full effect uh, every time Halloween came around. So you bundled up uh, nice and warm and put your costume on over top. I was usually a ninja was my go-to costume when I was a kid. Almost <laughs> almost every year I wore I don't even know if it was the same costume or not, but uh, every year was a ninja except the one year uh, when the lockout happened in 04, 05. Uh, my mom had the very clever idea to put a hockey jersey on me and put a sign around my neck that said, we'll play hockey for candy. So uh, probably <laughs> my mom on that costume but uh, yeah Halloween's in full effect <laughs> unfortunately won't be able to uh, hand out candy to kids here today because the team is getting ready to jump on the bus and head over to Manitoba for a couple games this weekend ah, well maybe some little Manitobans will come trick-or-treating at the hotel you never know but uh, it, it, growing up and, and people may not know this I'm significantly older than you when, when you did the trick-or-treating like I'm, I'm just wondering how much times have changed are, are the as a kid were the popcorn balls homemade still a thing and are they still a thing I think I remember getting those I don't uh, I don't have a very clear memory but I do remember holding something and you just kind of bite into it and tear it apart whatever but those were good uh, the best ones were the houses that gave out full size candy bars there was always one on the one street that I grew up yep. on that gave full size candy bars away um, the people who gave out pop cans were kind of annoying because it just weighed your bag down and if you're out for a long time your bag gets so heavy with a pop can in the middle of it so but uh, yeah the full size candy bars were always a, a big hit we're gonna have to agree to disagree on the pop can <laughs> assessment those were the best and there were a few of those in the route back in the day growing up as a kid in the trail subdivision in Swift Current. A couple big houses on Russell Crescent, I remember, always gave out the full pop cans. We would actually, we loved those so much, we would we'd do like costume changes and go back there a second time just to get another big can of pops. So got to agree to disagree on that assessment. But in any event, it's, uh, it's not a very spooky edition of the Broncos This Week podcast, but we hope to hit you with some knowledge. Uh, assistant coach Brandon Cote will be joining us in just a moment to talk about his WHL Cup experience coaching Team Alberta. And although he wasn't here for our five one loss against Brandon. He'll break that down. Yeah, obviously still keeping in touch with what uh, the team was doing while he was away. So uh, a, a difficult loss for the team. Obviously, the, the one home game they have in about a five-week stretch with the BC Road Trip kicking it off. And now with U-17s here in the building, they don't have another home game, the Broncos, until November 16th. So unfortunate that the one home game in that stretch was a, you know, a bit of a letdown. But uh, the good news is that the Broncos have a chance to get some revenge on the Wheat Kings because they play them tomorrow in Brandon to, uh, to kick off that uh, two-game Manitoba road trip. And then the Broncos' first ever trip to Winnipeg as well. That's going to happen this weekend, and uh, we'll certainly tune into Living Sky Casino Broncos Hockey to hear all about that. But uh, our feature guest today, you're going deep into your Rolodex of contacts, and uh, it's funny because in your job before coming to Swift Current, you worked with a Bronco alumni. That's right, yeah, former captain as well. Uh, Jason Becker was the captain of the Broncos in the 94-95 season, and uh, a guy who I got to know, uh, he was an assistant coach with the Penticton Vs for three years and I worked with him for the last two. He is now the head coach at St. George's School in the uh, CSSHL Midget Prep Division. So uh, caught up with him on the phone. He's down in Chicago right now. His team got invited to a tournament down there in Chicago. So we were able to chat with him for uh, quite a long time, actually, and get uh, pretty much his full life story through the Western League and then his uh, college career and also a nine-year pro career that was spent mostly over in Germany. And with his time as a Bronco, uh, one of the first ever Western League players to play for Coach Todd McClellan, who uh, was cutting his teeth in the Western League way back in the day so we'll talk about that among other things this is the broncos this week podcast brought to you by original 16 our chat with brandon cote straight ahead you're listening to broncos this week presented by original 16 the official beer of the swift current broncos Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16, the coaches show. We're joined by Brandon Cote, who left his razor in Alberta, <laughs> looking uh, scruffy, manly. Uh, yeah, how's things going, man? Good. Actually, I did leave my razor in Alberta. That's why I haven't shaved it. Oh, I was being a smartass, so. but that actually <laughs> happened, eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. the, the WHL Cup experience. I know that, uh, you know, you the, the coach of Team Alberta, not the result you were hoping for, but, uh, but you know, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, I know it was a great experience. It's obviously tough when you when you don't get the results you want. I I, I thought we we had the team that that could 
could pull it in. We we were looking pretty good in the round robin. Uh, but in in those types of competitions, uh, as everyone knows, it's it's a one game shot when you get to the elimination rounds, and we lost the wrong game. So, uh, but give credit to Saskatchewan; they played very hard. They had a great goaltender that I think got in our our guys' heads a little bit. And in those one games, that's that's what happened. So, uh, for me, it was a great learning experience as a coach. And uh, for the players, I know it was a great experience. We've gotten a lot of great feedback. So uh, at the end of the day, big picture, it was uh, made me a better coach and hopefully it made them better players going forward. I know you had a job to try and win a gold medal for Team Alberta, but it was also a chance to kind of see some Broncos prospects in action. There were six of them there. What, uh, what could, did you see from those guys during that tournament? I think all showed fairly well. Um, you know, we had, we had Josh Davies on our team. Uh, I think... I think Josh uh, would probably tell you he he, he, he would have liked to perform better at times, I think more consistently. But at the same time, he had a, fuck, a couple of real good games. And, um, you know, he uses big body well. He skates well. Um, they had to do some fitness testing uh, the day before the competition started. I think he ranked third in the off-ice stuff and I think or fifth in the off-ice stuff and third overall in the in the on-ice stuff. So there's some positives for sure. Um, he's a great kid and he you know he's got a lot to learn but he's he, he was I think uh, overall he's going to be better off uh, after going through it and seeing what the level of competition is to play at at that at that type of tournament and, and even in our league. Uh, Matthew Ward and Tyson Jugnoth I thought really played well for BC in the games that they played. I think Ward got better as the tournament went on. Jugnoth was a pretty uh pretty dynamic guy for them uh, throughout the tournament and then and then the Manitoba kids um, you know Reed Dick I think he had a tough game against us uh, the first game of the tournament I don't think he saw any more action but he, he's a guy that you know he's a big body he's, he's going to be a real good goaltender in the future Sam Court played well um, and uh, you know we had Okay. I thought overall it was just a real good uh, showing by our guys. Yep, for sure. And then uh, <laughs> you kind of you were the only coach who wasn't on the bench for the five-one loss against Brandon, but we'll put you in the hot seat and face the firing squad on that one. Uh, have you had a chance to to watch any of the tape on that? And uh, you know what's the what's the assessment from the coach's office? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Um, I, I think you don't want to make excuses. I think at the end of the day. A lot of times when teams come off a long extended road trip like we did, there's always that lull. Um, but Brandon played. Brandon plays fast. They play hard, and I don't necessarily know if our guys are ready for that. So, uh, you know, we've uh, had some time to rest and to work on some things here the last couple of days, and so we got to get back on the horse and, and get back on the road and get another shot at Brandon right away, which is probably a good thing. Well, and they were coming off a massive road trip of their own. They were finishing off seven day or seven games, fourteen days, whatever it was, and I think there's kind of that. I don't want to say hope that you can take advantage of a team like that, but it was a solid opening 20 minutes and think the wheels just kind of fell off the wagon there in the second and third. So was it maybe a, ch- a, a, a slight taking them a bit lightly coming off a huge road trip like that? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know if we can take anyone lightly, and I don't know if that was our guys' mindset. Um, it's, it's hard to really put a finger on it, but at the same time, you know, we have to continuously – and we say it all the time we have to continuously make sure we're ready right from the drop of the puck and try to sustain that over 60 minutes i think if you look at the games that we haven't played very well in that's been the that's been the main problem is we haven't been able to sustain that effort and intensity that's necessary to win for that whole that whole game and so we're just going to keep hammering that home and working on some things we made a few little adjustments to counteract some of the things that they were doing to us and you know hopefully we can go in brandon usually i think historically even last year we we had some real good games in brandon and it's a it's a really it's a hard place to play but it's a i think it's a comfort zone for some of our players to play there a lot of our guys are from manitoba so it's nice to go home and play and so i think our guys will be ready for the challenge the world under 17 hockey challenge is uh, rolling into swift current we're going to have our first exhibition game tonight and things get rolling with tournament play on saturday but with this dynamic and amazing international event comes you guys being displaced for a practice facility and uh, not to mention a very very light home schedule over the last two weeks and the two weeks ahead but uh, practicing at the fairview this week are there some it's 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 a net negative maybe having to move and practice in a different facility but is there anything the coaches can work with there for a for a motivating tactic well a little bit of i guess a different change uh scenery you know it kind of changes the routine a little bit which is also not necessarily a bad thing um 
I don't necessarily know if there's any tactical uh, advantage to it, but yeah, it's just we're we're lucky because even like we don't we don't get out of our rink a whole lot. I know there's lots of teams who have to practice out of their rink, uh, their home rink, a lot. So I think it's almost a little bit refreshing for our guys just to to get to a different, uh, I guess, some different scenery, even in Swift Current. So, um, you know, guys have to hustle to get to practice, especially the kids at school. And, and there's a little bit more, there's some teamwork involved because the guys have to pack up each other's stuff and take it over there and then get back together to, to do a workout. So uh, I guess from that perspective, it's it's you could say it's it's probably uh, gelling our team a little bit in that regard to make sure everything's back and, and ready to go. So um, the other thing is you got to wear your long underwear in there, we learned, because it's real cold <laughs> there. So, um, But, yeah, overall, I think it's 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 been fine. You mentioned how there's a lot of players on your team from Manitoba. You've got another one now after the trade to get Justin Svensson from the Winnipeg Ice. Not sure what you know about this guy. Has he been at practice yet? Has he joined the team so far? No, not yet. Um, I believe he'll be joining us today, and um, we're not practicing today. But uh, no, I, I don't. I don't know a ton about him, but I know he has some skill, and um, you know, he's. I think he's been doing pretty well in in junior A there. So, you know, he's had some looks in the Western League, and for every reason, hasn't been able to uh, find a permanent home. But we know that uh, he's a guy that that some of our guys are familiar with and they have nothing but good things to say about him as a person and as a player so I think he'll be able to come in and and uh, help us uh, help us with our depth and and hopefully score some goals for us too we're recording this just prior to you guys uh, boarding the bus and uh, heading to Brandon. You get a, an all-Manitoba weekend coming up with uh, Brandon and then your first trip to, to Winnipeg as well. Is, uh, I imagine some curiosity and a little bit of the unknown dealing with that. You know, What do you know about Winnipeg and their facility and everything that's going to come along with that experience? Yeah, I, again, I don't know a ton about uh, it, but it looks like obviously their their practice facility and stuff they have there is is phenomenal and and uh they're obviously looking forward to their new rink but they've done a good job from my understand of of renovating the old one there and and making it uh, up to whl standards and it seems like they're getting some some decent uh fan support and, and whatever else there so that'll be good just again another uh anytime you have a little bit of change something new something different there's always a little bit more i think excitement uh around the guys and so again if we can use that as a little bit of a motivator factor to get in there and and they're important games for us obviously so uh you know we play these guys i think over by the end of november or we'll have uh these guys and brandon done for the year i think so um you know one of those things where we just got her or in terms of being there anyway uh, on the road we'll we'll have uh, some time there so yeah going in there and we get a shot at another shot at brandon right away and then winnipeg you know we played a real good game uh for the most part the game that they played here so i think there's a little bit of uh that factor of just getting getting back at it and and hopefully get some points here on this road trip it is kind of a nice scheduling quirk that you get a chance to play brandon again just after that you know loss on saturday so a chance for the guys to kind of get their revenge if they're able to to pull out a strong 60-minute performance on uh, on friday yeah for sure like we just get in there get back at it uh, just almost like a little mini series in a way which is which is good so you know we don't have to initially do a whole lot of uh, extra prep for it we've seen them just recently so it's just a matter of the guys taking some of the adjustments we're we're making and then going out there and executing brandon cote looking badass with the five o'clock shadow here on broncos this week for original 16 brandon thanks so much for uh, for joining us this morning no problem thanks guys you're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast presented by Original 16. We are pleased to be joined on the line now by a friend of mine, a guy that I've known for a couple of years now and a good friend, a close friend, a former captain of the Swift Current Broncos in the 94 and 95 season. Jason Becker joins us on the line now. Jason, how are you today? I'm doing good, Craig. How are you tonight? We're doing good. We're hanging out here at my place. Uh, we're off hours here. We're watching the World Series Game 7. We're having some original 16s. Uh, <laughs> I understand you're in Chicago, Illinois. Bex, it's hockey season. What are you doing in Chicago right now? Yes, just arrived this evening. We are participating in the CCM World Invite Chicago Tournament. And I have my U18 midget prep team from St. George's down here and uh, we're looking forward to the tournament starting Friday. We're getting an early start tomorrow. We're actually going to travel to the University of Wisconsin, uh, practice on their ice surface, do a quick tour of the Kohl Center, 
and then make our way back to Chicago and get ready for the tournament starting Friday morning. That's right. You're you're new here to this team. You're now the head coach of the, uh, as you mentioned, the St. George's Midget Prep Team in the CSSHL, which is in Vancouver. So how is life in the big city of Vancouver now? Oh, it's been uh, definitely an adjustment. There's no longer the 10-minute commute that I was uh, accustomed to in Penticton. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, the, the job right now, enjoying the school and, and the team that I have. It's a, it's a younger group of midget-age players, but uh, they're all keen. Uh, and we're going through our, you know, your, the regular growing pains or a break-in period of a new coach and, and new players. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of potential here. I really like what I'm seeing and uh, having a lot of fun doing it right now. Yeah, Jason, uh, Ryan Schweitzer here. Uh, you, you've coached Major Junior. You've been an assistant with the Prince George Cougars. You, you've done Junior A with the Penticton Vs, where you did some road trips with Bosch, and I'm sure you have some fantastic stories from there. And and now coaching, you know, midget. You know, what's it like working with the midget-aged kids? You know, it, it, it's it's been really good. This is this age group and especially at the midget prep division this is the the group of kids that you know as coaches we're preparing to get ready to make that move to junior hockey and if i can steal one of my line one of his lines from uh, fred harbinson it was about our goal in penchecton was to make the the step for the players moving from junior to college a small step not a giant leap and i'm hoping that i can take uh that line from him and and help these kids understand and help them develop so that the step that they make from uh, the midget prep league to the junior hockey is, is that small step. Well, and I want to talk about this step for you because, as I mentioned, you're a former Broncos captain, but you played for a few different teams before you made your way to Swift Current. It, it all started Western League-wise with the Saskatoon Blades, but let's go back even further than that, Beck. Let's talk about growing up playing hockey in Saskatchewan. Did you always know that the Western Hockey League was the way you wanted to go? I think growing up, yeah, growing up in Saskatoon, obviously was a, a big Saskatoon Blades fan growing up. Uh, I, I know that my dad would always take me and my brother to to the arena, and we'd always take in the games. And in, in those days growing up, it was the, the the years of Wendell Clark, Joey Kosher, Kevin Kaminsky, Tim Trevelday, you know, a, a lot of players that went on to successful professional careers and you know, you, you just grew up wanting to be a Saskatoon Blade. I played all my minor hockey in, in Saskatoon with Zone D with the Saskatoon Raiders at that time. Uh, and then that dream did come true. I did get that opportunity to play in the Western League with, with the hometown, with the Blades. And that year is, is a special year for, for our group as we went all the way to the Western League final. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way that, that we had hoped, but, uh, you know, a chance to, to learn and develop from some some great players. I played on with uh, Glenn Gullitson, who's coaching in Edmonton. I played with Dave Struish, head coach in Regina. Um, just a, a good group of guys there in Saskatoon. And then, yeah, my tour then took me to Red Deer, Red Deer with the Rebels in their inaugural season in the Western Hockey League, which was which was pretty cool to be a part of. Uh, unfortunately for myself, and it was uh, it was a rough year for me. I sustained two pretty serious injuries and only played a handful of games. Uh, before being dealt at the deadline there. so Yeah, and you talk about the Red Deer experience. It wasn't that long, unfortunately, with the injuries. And you went to Kamloops as well. And, and that was the time when Kamloops was really building towards what become their huge dynasty. I mean, they won in 92, didn't win in 93 when the Broncos won. And then you were there to start that 93-94 season. Only played a couple of games before getting traded to Swift Current. So, I mean, you knew how good the team in Kamloops was. So when the coach tells you, hey, Jason, we're trading you to Swift Current, like, is it, I mean, equal parts of being excited to play a big role on a team in Swift Current, but also being like, man, I'm on a championship caliber team here in Kamloops. Yeah, no, it's, it was definitely, you know, disappointing. And for, for me at that time, it was, you know, it was going to be my fourth team in, in three years there. And, you know, you, you sometimes question that as a junior hockey player, but, you know, I got to give uh, a lot of credit to my dad here in regards to that. And, he always let me know, like, if there's a door that closes, there's going to be another one that's opening. And every time that that happened where there was a trade or a move made, you know, I, I looked at it that way as, okay, this one's closing, but there's another one opening and I got another chance to knock this door down. So, uh, yeah, definitely disappointing because I knew there was something special happening in Kamloops there. Obviously playing against them in my first year in that Western League final and they go on to win the Memorial Cup. Go to the next year, they're kind of in that rebuilding stage and, 
you know, the the likes of Jerome McGinley, Shane Doan, Nolan Baumgartner, uh, they're all on the up and coming. And, yeah, they go through that, that first year of growing pains, and then the next year they come back, you know, just – ready to roll and i you know i guess in a, in a roundabout way i feel partly responsible for them winning the the championship that year because you know I, if i didn't get moved that you don't bring in those pieces so <laughs> you know i can look at it that way but uh no i'll always always have fond memories of the, of the places i've been at all all great experiences um you know and met a lot of great people got to live all over western canada as a as a teenager growing up like i said made a lot of good friends and uh you know, it's an experience that I'm glad I was able to take advantage of. You know, Jason, you, you talked about how some, some injuries played a factor in, in your success in the Western League, but that 93-94 season, you come into Swift Current, you get to play 60 games, you, you put up some big points there, and you, you often hear about players who benefited from a change of scenery. Like, do you feel that that was the case with you? 100%, yeah. You know, it was a chance. And right at that time, too, Ryan, that was a time where I was in a transition period where I – in the start of my junior career, I was a centerman, full-time centerman. And there was a time in Kamloops where I was there, and they were down to literally three defensemen due to injury and sickness. And I remember Don Hay coming in the room, and he's asking, like, is there anyone who has any experience playing deep? And I played defense in minor hockey for about half of my minor hockey career, and I kind of just put my hand up. And I played defense with, I remember it was his name was Aaron Keller. Uh, he went to go on and have a pretty good professional career in Japan. And, you know, all of a sudden we just clicked, uh, had some success. And, you know, the next year I come back to camp as a defenseman. I was traded to Kamloops as a forward and I left as a defenseman. And then obviously coming to, to Swift Current, there were some opportunities as a defenseman. And, you know, I was, you know, the the benefactor of some real good offensive players. You know, Rick Gerard, Todd Holt, Ashley Buckberger were all part of that group. So, you know, had a great group of offensive players and i think yeah like you say the change of scenery uh you know maybe even being thrown in a different role as a defenseman uh really opened my eyes and you know kind of like you said i was able to have a pretty good uh year in swift current my first year there well, and you talk about changing that, you know, from forward or centerman to defense. So there must have been a time, one of your first few games as a defenseman, where something happened. You're like, man, I got to adjust to playing defense again. Do you have any memories of, of that ch- transition early on? I I just remember actually both saying the first game I played was against Portland Winterhawks. And like you said, we're, we're dating myself here. Like Lonnie Bahanas was the big player, I believe, back then for Portland. And. I just remember getting caught against on the ice against them a couple of times and, you know, trying to to contain the, the top score in the Western League or just find a way to, to stay even or better on the ice was, was a challenge. But I think, in a way, uh, getting thrown into the fire that way and, and having to play in that those types of situations early, you either sink or swim. And, you know, for myself, I was able to swim. And, uh you know, like I said, we were able to have some sort of success as, as a defenseman there, and, and it's just moved on. And, you know, it's it's what I've known my whole uh, – from that time moving on all the way through my university and professional career. You know, being a guy who grew up in Saskatoon, I mean, obviously you're familiar possibly with where Swift Current was on the map and everything, but people often talk about, you know, Swift being the small market and kind of that Friday night lights, you're in a fishbowl all the time. Was it like that for you playing there in the mid-90s? Yeah, you know, it was awesome. I loved I loved it in Swift Current. Like, you knew it was a small town. You knew that they were passionate about hockey. You know that they had a – you know, a, a history there with, with their teams. Um, and just being in a, you know, a small city like Swift Current where it's it's driven by hockey. It's driven by passion, their passion of hockey, right from uh, the novice initiation all the way up to the junior team there. So, you know, it's uh, – I really enjoyed being there. It was nice to – you know, you could – walk around the mall there and you know you almost felt like a, a little bit of a star there because the, the people recognized you at that time so um i really love the passion from swift current you know that it's a great rink i love the up the upgrade that they've done to it right now where they've added that extra seating and mm-hmm. i think it's just a great atmosphere now your second year in swift current the numbers weren't quite as there as in your first year but you did get that c on your jersey so i mean tell me about the conversation you have with the coaching staff of them them telling you hey bex we want you to be the captain of our team 
Yeah, you know, it was it was actually Todd McClellan's first year in the Western Hockey League with the Broncos at that time, and we had, uh, you know, some older players that were guys like Keith McCambridge and, and Bucky was still there at that time. I believe Bucky was our captain to start the season, and you know that year once again, you know, so Kern made some more trades with with Kamloops, and and Keith and Ashley end up moving to. Uh, to Kamloops, which, you know, kind of opened up the, the leadership responsibility. And, you know, I was very fortunate that, you know, Todd and Kurt Lacton was the assistant coach at that time, you know, felt fortunate that they felt that I was uh, the guy who could step in with this younger team. We were so young at that time. You know, I think uh, Chris Siski, Brad Larson, Tyler Willis, you know, were kind of the names, some of the names, Jeff Kerwin some of the names that uh, are the younger kids at that time. And, you know, it was, it was definitely an honor. You look at the previous captains there and it's, you know, to be able to, I know I've had a chance to walk through the room there and see the captain's wall and to, to see my name against, or beside some of those guys' names, it, it's a real honor to, to have been able to wear the C for the Broncos. You, uh, you name dropped Mr. Kerwin, who is on the uh, Swift Current Bronco Board of Directors these days. Uh, what do you remember about him as, uh, as a young guy cutting his teeth in the league? Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, at that time, you know, just, you know, the the small farm boy from Gull Lake, Saskatchewan, you know, his eyes were wide open being at Swift there and, and playing junior hockey. I, I still remember every, at that time, we always went once a year out west. So be it to the States or, you know, the Victoria, the Kamloops at that time. Uh, you know, I just, just remember him being pretty wide-eyed with the whole situation of, you know, going to Seattle and walking around downtown Seattle or downtown Portland and, you know, you get the, the small farm boy in the big city there. And, you know, it's pretty cool for those guys to see that. And I was glad that I was able to help them enjoy that experience because it's, it's something cool to, to be able to, to go and travel like that, to play hockey and to get time to some free time to go take in the sights and sounds of these cities. And, you know, uh, got the opportunity to play uh, with him in junior. And then I think we even had a year together in, at the University of Saskatchewan. So, you know, uh, I know I haven't seen him in a while, but uh, you know, see the see the posts on social media, and it's it's a cool way to stay in touch with the guys. Now I know you as a person now, but I don't know what you were like as a player. So when it came to you putting that captaincy on, I mean, <laughs> was there the added pressure of being the captain, or did you did it just come naturally to you? I mean, how did you feel when you that when you skate over that first game with the C on your jersey? Yeah, well, you know, I think I was very lucky to to play like you know playing with the three different teams and, and different captains at a time. I think you, uh, every time you're playing with a team and there, there's a captain there, you're, you're always looking at them for advice or some sort of leadership or being that person in the room. They lead by example. Uh, they're respected. Um, and I just felt that that was something I had to earn with this group. Although I was probably, you know, the oldest player on the team at that time. Um, I also might've been the most, uh, I guess, experienced in, t- in terms of games played. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, you know, I don't think anything really changed with my game. I think just, yeah, the, the C's on your Jersey, but I still believe that I was still the same person, uh, on the ice, off the ice as I was before when I, when I was an assistant before or, or not wearing a letter. So I always felt that I, uh, you know, had some leadership ability and just felt very fortunate and lucky. I want to circle back to Todd McClellan a little bit because, you know, this is a guy who was in his first major junior gig. He had that tough dual role of coach and general manager. You were one of his first ever captains. You know, what, what do you remember about Todd from, from back in the day, back in his much younger days? Todd, well, first of all, had black hair. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't the gray that we see that he's uh you know gone through the change with his nhl days there but todd was very energetic he was a real player's coach at that time and you know you talk about what's a player's coach and it, it's just someone that i think could really relate to the players had that understanding of when to push when not to push real i just remember real good communication skills that he had, like, you know, he was able to, you know, treated everyone the same if you're a 16 year old or a 20 year old. Um, and I think he was just, you know, the, the overall excitement of, of moving from, I believe he came from North Battleford uh, to Swift Current and being in the Western League, I think was, was a huge thing for him because the Western League was obviously a huge deal for him growing up playing with the Blades. Uh, I guess that was another guy that I, you know, grew up watching. Um, but yeah, I just remember 
the, the good communication skills, being a real player's coach, and uh, an understanding of the player. And I think that's why he's been able to have such success at uh, every level he's gone to. Well, let's move forward to your college days here, Bex. You played five full seasons at the University of Saskatchewan. So you were obviously a guy who took advantage of that CHL education package. So, I mean, now, I mean, you're a full-time coach now. You've been a full-time coach for a long time now. But your days at the University of Saskatchewan, I mean, that's in Saskatoon at home for you. What was it like playing at home, you know, again, because you had the Saskatoon Blades days back in the day. But playing at home, going to school, that kind of thing, what was it like for you? Yeah, no, you know, it was always it's always nice to go home. Uh, had the opportunity to, you know, live back in Saskatoon. You know, see a lot of the friends that I that I had graduated school with had gone to school with. Um, the only difference was they were in their third or fourth year of university, and I was going into my first year. So, you know, yeah, there was that there was that kind of change. But you know, real excited about you know the the new challenge of of going to university and I think um, you know things that kind of changed for me in regards to a mindset that A I was there for school first and B hockey hockey was B the second part of it there and you know got to know a, another really good group of, of players from the Huskies there uh, Brian Purdy Jason Hind uh, my co- a cousin of mine Pat Nodicon was on the team there my first year so you know, they were a team that was, you know, had had, had their struggles. Uh, Dave Adolph had gone out and recruited a bunch of us. I think there was five, five or six first years that came in there, uh, four of them from the Western League and two from the South Junior League. So, you know, it was a, a bond that we created real quickly and uh, just enjoyed, yeah, obviously enjoyed being back at home and uh, de- definitely a, a different pattern in regards to what it was doing. It was, like I said, it was more school and then hockey team secondary at that time. You know, your one year at U of S, it was the uh, 99-2000 year. And just looking at the roster, I mean, that, that's like a Bronco alumni all-star team. There's yourself, there's Kerwin, Neil Johnston was there, uh, Chad Beagle, uh, even Jeremy Rondeau. You know, I, I want to ask you because we, we call him a friend of the show, Jeremy Rondeau. What do you remember <laughs> about uh, playing 40-some games with JR? Junior, yeah. No, uh, definitely a big body. Uh, he definitely had a lot more hair back then than he does now. The last pictures I've seen of him. So uh, he was the one with the locks back then, the yeah. big curly locks, like I'm sure you guys have seen. But uh, you know, Junior was he was a, a typical power forward at that time. You know, he had he had good skating ability as a bigger guy. He had a good set of hands. He could do he could do it all type thing. And obviously, being the bigger guy was was physical when he needed to be. Uh, just you know, like a, a pleasure to, to play with, and, and you know, get to know him a little quicker. I know he he was the same age as my brother, so you know, I kind of got to know him a little bit through my brother earlier before our playing days together. But um, yeah, with those guys from Swift Current, it was yeah, it was like an old Bronco team. That's for sure. It's obviously nice to see them uh, join us at U of S, and then you know, give them uh, an opportunity to learn kind of how what we had said as a group ourselves and and they definitely continued that uh, that tradition as uh, as we graduated and moved on you know look, and looking at all the teams that you played for over the years and I don't want to say that you know your hockey decisions with where to go with your career were atypical but you know a lot of those guys they play the university hockey and then they kind of get on with the real world after that but you know you did five years of U of S and then you went on to have a, a rather long career after that playing overseas like what, what was kind of the mindset with you heading into that fifth year at U of S in terms of like what, what you were going to do next? Definitely a big question mark, Ryan. Definitely a big question mark. You know, uh, definitely like it was, I think it was after my second year, I actually had my first professional offer, contract offer, and it was to a, a team in Norway. And I had a big decision to make. They had given me a timeline and we had just found out, I think right before this contract was offered to me that, that we were going to be the, host team for nationals for the next three years so i really had a lot on my plate on on what i wanted to do in regards to do i take this opportunity like does this come all the time to everyone a chance to go play hockey overseas uh get to experience that or do i continue my my education get an opportunity to play in not one two or but but three national championship tournaments 
Uh, and then obviously, you know, I had some great bonds with the players that I had played with. We became a great group of friends. And, you know, I, I don't think at that time I wasn't ready to leave. Uh, you know, I wanted that opportunity at a national championship. I wanted uh, to continue my education. I knew that if I continued my path, if I was going to continue to have success on the ice, that there would be an offer the next year. There might be a chance to get the next year. So, you know, I just felt that if I if I continued uh, to play the way that I did, continue to have the success as my teammates did, that I would get an opportunity. And come that fifth year, you know, I really, uh, you know, kind of put myself out there and talked to a lot of players that had gone over to, to play overseas. And, you know, one of them had a big impact on me was Dean Seymour at that time. Uh, I had some real good talks with him about about playing in Europe. Uh, had a couple other good friends that were like Dave Struish was there at that time, and you know they they had mentioned like you know if if it's there, why don't you take a chance at it? If you don't like it, you can go back to the real real world after a year, uh, see what happens. Um, and I got an offer, and I I, just, I remember it quite clearly because it was right around my birthday. Uh, got a call from. A coach, he's from Medicine Hat, he's a Canadian who was coaching in Germany, uh, said that he had heard that I was interested in coming over, had some connections with the university people in Canada West. He had talked to Dave and Dave gave me a good recommendation and 10 days later I was signed and sealed and ready to fly out to Germany in the middle of August. And I just felt like that was, you know, that was going to be at that time, you know, growing up, Obviously, the goal is the NHL. The dream is to play in the NHL. And there, there comes that time as a, as a junior hockey player, as a hockey player in general, that, you, you know, okay, this probably is, this might not be the path, but there's got to be another path there where I can play at a high level. And this is the path that I saw. I saw a lot of people have success at it. Um, and I was very fortunate to, to get the opportunity and then even more fortunate to play as long as I did over there and, and have the career and the experiences that I did have with not just myself, but uh, it became my family at the very end of it too. So uh, something that I would never trade in for anything in the world. I was nine of the, you know, they say, always say university is the best years of your life. I don't know if they, those nine years professionally were, you know, pretty good. And uh, I know there's something every year that, that happened that was, you know, always rem- always memorable. Well, and before we dive into that time overseas, it looks like you had a, a tryout with the Fresno Falcons. I, I, and I'm saying this only because we're friends, Bex. You were a minus five in five games. I mean, what was your first foray into professional hockey like? <laughs> it was an eye-opener, that's for sure. Uh, it was... It was a good situation, though. Going to Fresno, uh, I guess, you know, the fortunate thing about playing for four different teams in the Western League is when I went down there, there was probably three-quarters of the team that I had played with that was on this team. And I remember Glenn Gullitson at the time was the player coach, uh, player assistant coach. Uh, he was the one that made the call and got me to come down there after uh, I was done my university or the national tournament. Uh, went there and yeah, you know, it was definitely an eye opener. Got to play a lot of hockey. Like, there was small rosters at the time. I think we we played with five defensemen for the time that I was there due to you know injuries or just the roster that they can carry at that time. It was the West Coast Hockey League. Um, you know, it was it was good. I was there with uh, you know a, a former teammate of mine from the Huskies and Jeff Helperl. Uh We had you know it was it was a lot of fun. It was an eye opener. I enjoyed it. Uh, but I just figured that after that, you know, I, I think I want to try if the European thing came up that I was going to try and take advantage of it. And I came back and yeah, it was probably two or three weeks after I got back that this all happened. So, uh, a good experience in Fresno, that's for sure. Uh, but really grateful for the opportunity to, to have that and then move on overseas. Yeah. And moving on overseas, uh, Bremerhaven, I, I see in your first year there looking at the roster on that team, one of the names that jumps out at me is a, uh, actually a former Swift Current Bronco associate coach who won a championship with, uh, with the team in 2018. Do you remember much about Ryan Smith? Yeah, for sure. Um, Ryan Smith, like he was one of the reasons why I went over there. Um, he was, you know, I, we had played university against each other um, for three years. He was at that time. He was at the University of Manitoba. Uh, he was the first phone call I made actually when I when I got this offer, and you know, he had a big influence on on me going over there. Just you know, having someone that you know when going like overseas, it was a big deal. I still remember when I was when I was flying over there, 
Like, am I making the right decision here? Like, I'm going to a new country, new language, new everything, and it's halfway across the world. Uh, uh, but no, he, like I said, he had a big influence on on my on my decision there. You know, we're still good friends. I still talk to him if it's if it's monthly during the hockey season because obviously we're very busy. But uh, yeah, no, a, a great guy. And he's, a big reason why why I went over to Bremerhof, and that's for sure. Well, and you mentioned, I mean, the the new language, the new country. So, when you first get to Germany, I mean, what is the the day to day life like for you when you first get? I mean, the first couple of weeks must have been kind of just chaos. Like, were you hiding in your house trying to avoid social interaction? That was <laughs> kind of the plan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I remember the first I remember the first day I got there. There was. Uh, Another Canadian who was there in the same building I was in and a German living there at the time who, you know, spoke great English, actually became real good. We became real good friends. I remember that first night. They're like, no, we're going out. We're taking on the town here and going out on the town was just going actually downstairs to the pub down the road from us. So, you know, my first my first night in in Germany was a long one, uh, one that you know I really don't have a lot of recollection of. But, uh, you know, it was... But I, at that time, you wanted to experience. Like I, I was, I was at that time just, you know, wanting to experience everything that that Bremerhaven had to offer at that time. And you know, obviously, we had we had busy schedules with it's a lot different training camp in Germany where it's like four or five weeks long. It's two ice sessions a day. It's a gym session included in between all of that. So, you know, by the end of the day, you're you're quite gassed, and there's not a lot of energy or time left to do anything else. Uh, but once the season gets going, you know, there's a little more time. You're only playing twice a week. Uh, Mondays are usually always, always a day off. So, you know, took full advantage of having day trips around Germany that, you know, were easy to get to. And, you know, got to learn traveling by train is probably the best way to travel in Europe at that time. So, uh, you know, I, I think it was just in the mindset that I, I wanted to try and uh, enjoy as much as I could here and, and embrace the the change in the culture. And I mean the, the 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 fan support in Germany. We everyone hears about the what the European hockey fans are like. I mean, European soccer fans are on a different level, but European hockey fans. I mean, what was the support like for your team there? I mean, during your time in Germany, you played for a couple of different teams, but I mean, overall, what was your uh, your experience like with the fan support there? Yeah, no, overall, very passionate fans, very passionate um i uh, the the best example was the my first year in bremerhofen with this team they had won their championship in their league at that time they were in the third division and when you win the 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 championship you move up to the next division you qualify sport wise and then you also make sure that you qualify financial wise because it's obviously bigger budgets this and that so i remember my first practice in bremerhofen we're in the dressing room and it's just loud like just drums banging everything i'm like what is going on and we have an open air rink in bramerhoff and so there's the like there's a roof but the the walls are open so like it's 30 degrees is really 30 degrees in the rink there and i'm thinking oh man like what's going on walk out onto the ice surface this is an ice surface where there's no glass it's the mesh that's the net and this building probably holds maybe 2,500 people and I bet you there's probably 2,000 fans there just went crazy when we came on the ice just banging drums singing their songs and because it's open air and at that time in Germany you could smoke all over the place so like the fans are right on they're right on they're right on the boards and and smoking you're in line trying to you know catch your breath or stay focused on the drill and, and someone's trying to offer you a beer and a smoke and <laughs> you're just I'm just trying to get through it like I think it's cool but I'm like man like let's just this is a practice it's the first practice but that's how passionate they are like that's how much they embrace the team and uh you know they they love the hockey there they have a very strong following uh, they travel all over the country following their team on their road games uh, a lot of fun. All the cities I played in, uh, Heilbronn, Kremenschau, Rosenheim, I'm sure everyone that played there can attest to it that the, their fan bases are passionate, uh, they're awesome, they're loud, they're vocal. Um, it's just a great atmosphere to play in. You really feel a part of the game no matter where you are, especially when you're on the road and you're going against the other team's fans. It's, you know, it's... it's it's a lot of fun. That's that's the only way I think I can describe it. It's a lot of fun to be, you know, you feel the energy. Uh, it gets you going. 
you know, you start, you're winning and then, you know, they start booing and heckling and all that stuff. And it's just, it's just, just real passionate fans that, you know, cheer for everything and enjoy the game of hockey. You know, you t- you mentioned uh, Heilbronn and Krimitschaw, but uh, you also did some time in, in Cardiff playing 70-some games in Wales. What was the Welsh hockey experience like? One, once again, not one that I could complain about. At that time, when I moved to Cardiff, so before that, they had what was the Elite Hockey League, and it was a lot of, you got a lot of former NHLers or American League guys. It was a real big league. It, it was a, a real good league, but uh, a lot of the, the bigger teams kind of took control. Money became an issue, uh, and they changed leagues, and they, it became the Elite Hockey League at that time. And so there was a lot of difference in regards to, to team budgets and the players that were over there. Uh, but for me at that time when I went, it was a great time in, in my career. As you know, I'll be brutally honest. I was having a rough year in Heilbronn. It, ju- it just wasn't working out. Um, I was struggling with everything. I could see it. And it was, I was just waiting for the day to happen where they were just going to, they're fight. You're going to fire you. That's a, if you're an import, you don't produce. See you later. Here's your walking paper. And I was just kind of, you know, waiting for that day to happen. And, I uh, got real lucky with the opportunity because they, in England at that time, they had just changed their uh, restrictions on uh, visas that they were handed out. At the, before that, I wasn't allowed to go play in England just because of the of, uh, visa requirements. They made they created a new visa for I can't remember what it was called. My agent said go to the embassy, make this application, tell them this, tell them that, we'll be good to go. I go to the, take the train to the embassy, go do the interview. They say, sorry, we're not going to let you in. I'm like absolutely crushed because I'm like, I told them everything I was supposed to get out of the embassy. I, I call the GM head coach. I tell him I didn't get it. And he's like, what, what, how it happened? I said, well, they were quizzing me on all this of travel and all these other questions. I, I really couldn't answer properly. And I froze and and he's like, okay, here, I'm going to get you all the information. I'm going to send you an email, give them all this, this paperwork if they need it, if they need more explanation. So I go get a hotel room. I get up earlier the next day. I make sure I'm the first in line at the embassy, go back there. I just, the lady's the same lady. She's like, you're back again. I'm like, yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, so I go upstairs to the interview, and the guy's there, he's like, uh, it shows me that you were here yesterday. I'm like, yes, but I didn't have all the information. I said, I have more of the information that was asked of me yesterday. I have all that I need. If you want to ask me the questions, I can more than happy to answer them properly and have all the information for you. Went through the whole process, got my visa, did a backflip, I think, as soon as I got outside the doors <laughs> there and called them up and said, when's the next flight to Cardiff? I got back on the train, went back home to Heilbronn, and, and this is how quick they are. In the two days that I was in Dusseldorf, they had already started moving someone into my apartment. <laughs> I had all my stuff in my apartment, and there's a guy moving in there right as I'm moving out. So, you know, not the welcome home I was expecting, but I'm like, hey, no problem. I'm going to be out of here in two days. That's all I need. So boxed up my gear, my stuff, packed up, and... Two days later, I was in Cardiff, and, you know, I got to say it was, you know, one of those breath of fresh airs. You talk about a change of scenery. Um, you know, at that time, you, you don't realize how much you, you miss English language at that time, and although, you know, the Welsh have that strong accent and they got their own language there, it was just great to hear English. And, and, and you know, I, in a way, I felt it, you know, it didn't show on the score sheet, but I, I just felt that my I was able to rejuvenate my game again. Uh, you know, really enjoyed the city, really enjoyed the coach I played for, the guys that I played with. Awesome city, just an, an unbelievable experience. And it, it's obviously got a special place in my heart because it's where my daughter was born. So, you know, it was uh, a big deal uh, being in Cardiff. And, uh, you know, it's something that she brags about now that she was born in Wales. So, you know, it's uh, hockey's given us a lot of stories here. That's for sure. Well, you played a nine-year pro career, but only one of those was in North America, the Reading Royals in this 06-07 season. And I remember you telling me when you went there, like you had played 250-plus pro games in Europe, but you were technically a rookie when you went to Reading. So, I mean, coming back to, to North America as a rookie, as a, what, a 30-year-old rookie, I mean, what was that experience like for you? 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad you called me 30 because I was actually 32. Yeah, but close yeah, thir- yeah, 32 year old rookie for sure in the East Coast League. It was, uh, uh, you know, one of those experiences again where, you know, sometimes that change of scenery, not that I was struggling, but it was just, you know, I needed something different. You know, the, the European thing was great, but, you know, there was an opportunity where, you know, someone wanted me to come come play in North America uh, and gave me an opportunity. And, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for it. Carl Taylor was the coach at that time. And I remember he called me literally probably three days when I got back from Europe the season before. And the conversation there had already begun. He said, no matter what happens, you have a spot in Reading. You just let me know if you're coming. And that time came probably around the middle of August. Um, Cause at that time uh, my wife was, was pregnant with our second uh, son. And there was a time frame where she wouldn't be allowed to fly overseas. And we didn't think it was a great idea for me to go over by myself and then come back again for if it was the birth or have them travel out. But yeah, no, I'm in Reading and uh, you know, very uh, lucky to have that opportunity. Uh, it was where my son was born. So I have, you know, me and my wife are both, both from Saskatoon, but both our kids are born internationally. And, you know, it, uh, it was tough at that time. We were just kind of by ourselves. He was uh, a month early. All the the stress and everything that happens that comes with that, and you know, being away from home and you know, not really having the, the help that you would at home with uh, with moms and mother in laws and all that sort of thing. But you know, we had some great friends that we made in in Reading. There some great teammates that you know really stepped up and, and helped out with that part of it. But you know, it was just fun playing in the, in, in the States again. Uh, I felt in a way that once again, you know, I had a, a great, I thought I had a really good year in the, in that, in the league there. I was, you know, close to having a couple of call-ups to the American league, but I think probably more because of my age at that time and not really being anyone's property uh, may have not let that happen. But my East coast experience was, I, I enjoyed it. I did it for the year, said I, that I did it, and uh, headed back to Europe for the last couple of years of uh, my professional career. And you mentioned heading back to Europe. It was two more years in Germany, and I think every professional hockey player has that moment where they realize that my playing career is done. So was that moment for you that last year in Germany? I mean, did, was there a certain moment to realize that this was going to be my last year? Uh, I, I think going into that, it was close. Obviously, it was, it was more about the family at that time with the kids and the age that they were, uh, you know, getting ready for, to go to school. And what was it going to be? I was now, I believe 35 years old. And, you know, I felt very, very fortunate to have played as long as I had already uh, and, and be able to get the experiences that I did. And, you know, unfortunately that last year was probably the toughest year profession I had is I had two bad knee injuries um, I tore my ACL early in the year, was out for five weeks. Uh, I did the training, got fitted for a brace, came back. And the second game back, I felt awkward again. Same knee, same tear, different spot, but a, a, a worse tear than before. And I was out for nine weeks, so I missed you know, over three months of the season with that. Um, and it's tough. I'll, 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 uh, I'm able to say now that, you know, being older at that time, yeah, the, the recovery is, is harder. Um, and then missing that much time and then trying, wanting to contribute as much as I could in our, our run to the playoffs and then into, into the playoffs there, you know, it was, it was tough to get back, but it was something that I wanted to do. I needed to do. And, you know, I'm, Am I disappointed in the year injury-wise? Yeah, for sure. But I know that, you know, I worked my my tail off to get back, to to get that chance to, to play again and, and finish the year. Unfortunately, we fell short in the playoffs that year. And, yeah, definitely disappointing to for it to end that way. But uh, I knew before that year was done that that, that was going to be uh, my last year of professional hockey. So, um, you know, it was something that I – I'd come to terms with it wasn't I don't think it was a difficult decision uh it was just one that you know you knew it had to it was going to end sooner or later and still wanted to be in a position where you know I could still 
be active uh, and still be able to do the things I can with with my kids. So a few years later, you end up back in the Western Hockey League as uh, as an assistant coach with the Prince George Cougars. It looks like you were brought in with uh, Dean Clark running the show, but then he was replaced by Mark Hollick. Uh, how did that uh, AC gig materialize in the Western League in PG? Yeah, well, just funny. Like I, we had moved back from Rosenheim. Um, and I had gotten a job. I was working in Saskatoon with uh, something called Canadian Linen. I got a, I thought a, a real good management position there without, you know, having any kind of real experience in that, just hockey being my life. Um, and honestly, it was six months later, Ryan, I was, you know, still active in with hockey. I was doing some defenseman stuff in Saskatoon with some minor hockey teams. Uh, I actually was playing a little bit of senior hockey with the Rosetown Red Wings at that time. And the Prince George Cougars came to town and Dallas gave me a call and said, Hey, I'm in town. Do I come to the game? And Dallas and I go way back. We played, uh, he was one of those guys that we started university together. We had played junior against each other, became real good friends. Always stayed in touch after he left university early to go uh, follow his uh, career with the Cougars. Um, called me up and said, Hey, why don't you come to the game? I said, sure, it'd be great to catch up with you. So I went over the game and, you know, talked. We talked the whole game. And at that time, Rick Brodsky was the owner of the team. Rick was the owner of the Blades when I played with the Blades. So, you know, it was nice to catch up with Rick again. Had a good chat. He took me down. I met the, I met the staff there at that time. Uh, and honestly, that was a Saturday night. I'm at my desk Monday morning. I get a call from Dallas. First thing he says, do you want to come coaching PG? I'm like, where did this come from? And he says, yeah, no, uh, Dean wants you to come up. I want you to come up. Dean wants you to come up to PG. Can we make this happen? And this was about the middle of November. Um, Obviously went home that day, talked to my wife about it, and it was kind of a no-brainer that this is, we had known, together we've just known hockey all our lives here. And to be able to get back involved uh, at that level at the Western Hockey League and be an assistant coach was, you know, I felt it was a real privilege to be able to do that. Uh, Jumped on board. And, yeah, I did join the group right after Christmas on Boxing Day. I I flew out to – it was actually Kelowna where I met the team and, yeah, started my my coaching career there with Dean. We finished the year. um, And I think I did a full year and a half with Dean before – you know, things kind of, they didn't work out. Um, and he was replaced, like you said, by Mark Hollick. Got to work with Mark for a year and a half. And then, um, you know, made the made the decision that I needed to be a head, if I wanted to be a head coach somewhere, I had to move on. I had to leave PG and had a, a great opportunity to go move to Penticton and be part of the Okanagan Hockey Academy uh, and be a head coach there. Got to do that for a couple of years. And then, uh very fortunate one of those you know times where it's it's kind of just being in the right place at the right time where i where i met fred had a real good chat with fred and next thing you know he's you know offered me a position as for an assistant coaching job with the v's and it was definitely one that i did not have to think twice about and very grateful for that opportunity that it gave me a chance to experience junior a hockey but also experienced junior A hockey with probably the best junior A organization in Canada. Well, and just to finish off here, Brex, you mentioned about your time in PG and how you knew you had to make a change to become a head coach at, at, at some point. So when it comes to your coaching career, I mean, where where do you see yourself in, let's just say, five years from now? I mean, what do you think is the end goal for you as a, as a coach in hockey? Well, I, I really hope it's a head coach at a junior level for sure. If, it, if I'm fortunate it's somehow to be in the professional ranks, that'd be great. You know, there have been some some opportunities for myself to go back to Europe. Um, you know, unfortunately, I've had to turn them down. It, it's a lot of the hockey wor- world is about timing. And at the, at the time that these opportunities came up, it, it just, you know, I, I, I may regret it one day, but at the time, the right decision was to stay back here and, and be a coach here and be with my family here. Um, but I'd, I'd love that opportunity to, to still be coaching at a high level. Um, if it's here, continuing to develop kids and prepare them for junior, great. If it's at the junior level as a head coach, junior A or Western Hockey League, 
great. If it's professional, great. But I, I just feel that I want to be, I want to be a head coach, and I want to be able to teach. I want to be able to develop players and and have an impact on them, not only as a hockey player but as a person. Well, this has been a lot longer than any of our post-game interviews on the radio in Penticton. So, Bex, I appreciate you taking <laughs> our call here, and uh, thank you for this. Uh, enjoy your uh, time there in Chicago, and hopefully, you guys have a great tournament. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Ryan. And uh, thanks to Great West, a great product back in Saskatchewan. Love it. <laughs> wow. Original 16 <laughs> shout-out to finish things off. Bex, this was awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. And what was funny about that chat with uh, Jason Becker is that, that, that of course, is an edited version. We, like, had to, like, because of a dropped call, I think we had to, like, have him call back or call us, like, four different times. So kudos to the editing team on the Broncos This Week podcast for cobbling that one together. Apparently, cell phone service in Chicago, not not as good as one would think it is, I guess. The Windy City, uh, we was, he was <laughs> saying that the direct phone line from Chicago to South Current's not that great, I guess. But, uh, yeah, nice to catch up with uh, with Bex, obviously a friend of mine, and I had a lot of good memories together uh, with the last couple of years in Penticton, a guy who always loves to go to the nearest corner store on a road trip and find some snacks to hunker down in the hotel room. <laughs> so uh, nice to catch up with Bex again, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to cross paths again soon. Yeah, for sure. Former uh, former captain of the Swift Current Broncos in the early to mid-90s. All right, Broncos with a big schedule coming up this weekend. It is the 204 Experience, Brandon and Winnipeg. Yeah, it's cool because my, uh, my my family's from Winnipeg. Actually, my parents uh, met in Winnipeg. My dad was born and raised there. I've got my grandparents live there, some family there as well. So it's kind of nice to head back there and, and go there for a couple games uh, this year. But uh, obviously looking for some wins here on the road trip. It would be nice to get a couple of wins and then get back uh, into, the, into the win column after that big win in Prince George and the... Uh, the letdown on on Saturday against Brandon. So uh, looking forward to these two games. Uh, a nice chance for the Broncos to try and bounce back against the Wheat Kings again, and also get some revenge for that crazy six-five shootout loss to Winnipeg here about a month ago. So uh, should be a fun weekend, and uh, hopefully the guys will come back with a couple points. Winnipeg, I've often heard it's a fantastic city to fall in love in. <laughs> I, I, I have no 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 qualms with the city of Winnipeg. I did my internship at TSN there after my college career was done, so I like it there, and I'm looking forward to uh, to heading back there. Yeah, and who knows, maybe the destination for a future romantic getaway. (laughs) This is the Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. You've been listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16.